2: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash people today.
1: Can you see it? Did you
3: notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who
2: tries a bank pass for Bester. In with a shot, he scores! The moments notice.
1: Adam's
0: here like I don't I won't cover the Canucks yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks by, my just
3: wave the guy
2: and get Demko involved I wanted them in and Day. wow
3: really?
2: we should do a radio show together <laughs> right on I want to fist bump you right now
1: what our Pearl steals cutting in shoots
0: Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Parallel 49 Brewing Company. My name is David Quadrelli, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Chris Faber. Chris, how are you doing in, what is this, week three? I've lost track of the days myself, but how you doing, man?
2: Dude, it feels like month three of uh, quarantine so far. I've been... uh Every day for the past like week has been the exact same uh, Today's nice because we're recording the podcast We got to do a little pack opening to start it off But I don't know about you, but every single day now Just feels like the exact same day on repeat Like it's Groundhog Day right now I don't know if you get that reference because you're too young uh, But <laughs> it's a movie where it wakes up and it's the same day every day
0: Well, I took a film studies class in high school And oh. that's basically why I've seen movies like Citizen Kane, uh, that one was one of them that we watched and it, it was a good class and that was taught by Miss McChesney. Gotta give her a quick shout out on the pod. She, uh, okay. she encouraged me with all my writing and everything. She's like the reason that I became a writer and enjoy writing so much and now we're podcasting. Can't give her credit for that one, but she got me started <laughs> in the business basically by, uh, by encouraging me to just like writing. So anyways, jumping from that quick shout out cause no free ads. Uh, The teachers, oh man,
2: you're cutting it right off now No free ads ads on
0: this show They gotta pay for a sponsorship
2: to get get a shout out on the podcast
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, okay Jumping into today's news, Chris The most immediate news, recording this on Friday afternoon at 12.45 Most immediate news, Dustin Bufflin doesn't call it a career But he does terminate his contract with the Winnipeg Jets The Winnipeg Jets and defenseman, 35 years old, Dustin Bufflin have agreed to terminate his contract. Bufflin didn't play at all this season, I don't think, right? I think he didn't play any games. Yeah, and he is now technically going to be a free agent. He can't sign a contract uh, to play this season, which I'm not sure is much of a big deal to him. (laughs) Um, And there's even rumors that he doesn't want to play anymore at all, and that he just doesn't want to. There's multiple sources that have said that, apparently, uh, to John Shannon. And, man, I don't know. What, What are your thoughts on the whole Bufflin situation?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It seems like you know he had the option to play it. It just seems like he maybe fell out of love with hockey. You know, like you got to put in a lot of work to be able to play in the NHL level. And I uh, actually used to have a contact who used to be the trainer for the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, he told me about some of the workouts that Bufflin would do. He would show up and uh, he'd basically just do a bench press, do bicep curls, and then talk to the trainer for the rest of the two hours of the workout. Uh, And it just seemed like maybe he wasn't 100% committed to the NHL. And that's totally fine, you know, like he made his money. Um, Apparently he's a big, uh, he's big in fishing, like he loves fishing, um. so maybe he signs in Vancouver next year. That's a 36-year-old guy. Uh, I know I know. PJ took a stab at that one online you mentioned earlier.
0: Yes, we have to talk about that. Our friend Patrick Johnson of the province uh, put out an article, should the Canucks sign uh, Dustin Bufflin, and that was – the replies to that tweet are just awesome. Like I was reading through them, and I just, I just love it. But, anyways, you know we're gonna talk about it. Oh my gosh, I have my thing on. Sorry. Uh, we're gonna talk about, we're gonna talk about that on today's episode of Canucks Conversation. So, Chris, I will pose the question to you: Should the Canucks, you know, if he wants to sign somewhere, should the Canucks throw their hat in the ring at Dustin Bufflin?
2: Well, like I said, Vancouver has some of the best fishing spots Probably out of every NHL team So maybe he takes a discount to come here But no, I mean, like, no, you don't want to sign Dustin Bufflin Uh, I think he's done with hockey Which is fine for him Like, if he's happy to retire, that's great He's had a, a pretty a pretty good NHL career Like, all in all, he's played some He's been very effective when he's in the playoffs That's something that Canucks could probably use Like, a big tough guy like that in the playoffs Who can drag two defenders away from every scrum That would be huge, but at the same time Uh, Dustin Bufflin's probably pretty huge right now too. Uh, with the quarantine going on and him not being (laughs) super committed to working out and wanting to be an NHL player, um, from his past history of coming into training camp. Yeah, I, you know, like good for him, man. If he wants to retire and get fat, like that's the goal. That's the dream for every man, right? Like that's all I want to do with my life. I just want to. Get to 65 and then just start getting ridiculously fat. Because that's going to be the best <laughs> part about life. Uh, and if Bufflin beat it by 30 years, like good on him. He's, he's made his money. He's played in the NHL. He lived his dream. So yeah, I don't think he's going to be back in the NHL. And, and uh, I don't think he's going to be back um, with the Vancouver Canucks at any point either. So I'm going to shut that one right down. What about you though? You think there's a chance?
0: No, I, I, <laughs> man, I don't think so. I don't think there's going to be much interest. But what I will say is it makes sense for a team to want to sign Buffalo? I think the Canucks should make the call, 100%. But hmm. here's what I think. Dustin, or, yeah, sorry. Dustin Bufflin's walking away from $6 million. And I think I read somewhere that he's also forfeiting $8 million for the next or the previous year, something along those lines. He's forfeiting a lot of salary. I'm just, like, I know you said you you're trying to be like, fat when you're 65 but man yeah. i'm just trying to be financially stable enough where i can just walk <laughs> away from that amount of money during a global pandemic like mm. oh man that'd be great but i wonder oh no he he quit i was going to say does he does he um qualify for the stimulus checks
2: <laughs> yeah i'm sure he's he's on the phone with trudeau right now <laughs> Getting that $2,000 a week because that's what he was making before.
0: Oh, my gosh. Anyways, I got to get back to my point. I get <laughs> off topic a lot on this show. but
2: How bad would it be if, if Dustin Bufflin is making more money than like, – because I know I've seen a lot of people saying that like the, the frontline workers, like people at McDonald's and people at Superstore and people at Walmart are make, making less money than the people that are yeah. on the serb checks are. Imagine if yeah. a guy who was in the NHL gets that serb check and he's making... You know, he didn't do anything this year at all and he's making more money than those frontline workers. That's brutal. But I did hear uh, the other day on the radio, like, Walmart was doing ads and I know that they've raised, like, a bunch of their wages for their people because, you know, their employees... They're working hard. They're Their frontline employees, you know just as much as some of the other people are there having to keep their business open uh, and people need to be able to go to these stores and grocery stores and gas stations and everything like they should all be getting that hazard pay i know is like 3 dollars i think in canada so it's nice yeah. they have that added on but at the same time like if if those essential workers weren't working a lot of people's families would be in a lot more trouble so it's good uh, to hear that they're raising some some minimum wages that the people are regularly making at those spots
0: Yeah exactly and man like I totally got off topic but I did have a point to what I was saying So (laughs) Dustin Bufflin if he signs it's going to be a one year deal Nobody's going to give a 35 year old defenseman who hasn't played in a year anything more than that I think it's going to be a one year deal around the two to maybe tops four million mark Okay, So if we're looking at that number for Dustin Bufflin sure, why not take a stab at him for any team, really? This isn't just saying for the Canucks. Like, maybe it isn't a fit for the Canucks, but for any team, you have to take a look at it, right? You have to at least make the call, and I think the Canucks are included in that. So here's what I will say. There's going to be a lot of one-year deals, I think, this Mm offseason. With the uncertainty of COVID-19, with everything it's bringing, and the global economy absolutely crashing, and sports revenue is down, I wonder, man, like... How many people? I, because Taylor Hall is the big free agent this off season, right? And I, I wonder, is Taylor Hall going to be thinking about cashing in on a big payday anymore? Because I don't think he's going to have a suitor. I think advisors, agents, what have you, are going to be telling their players, listen, let's take a short, shorter term deal now. Like ideally, it's a one year deal for a good, good amount of money, and then hopefully the economy's better in a year. And mm-hmm. teams are willing to pay more The cap, and, you know, talk about the economy Sorry, I'm talking about the uh, cap hit here The, um, sorry, cap hit The cap in general Is gonna not raise as much As people thought it was Originally, it was 4-8 to eight million Was the prediction for this offseason That's yeah. out the window There is zero chance in hell that's happening It might even go down, okay So, you know, you and I were talking about the buyout And we we thought that was stupid to talk about Like a week or two ago But now it's like a very legitimate thing Like it's gaining a lot of traction so we'll talk about that later but Chris you know who else is a UFA? Jacob Markstrom and Chris Tanev what are those guys going to sign for now? Is Jacob Markstrom still going to be looking for his big payday? Is Chris Tanev still going to be looking for a pay raise? Like, What's going to happen here? Because I don't think a lot of guys are going to be wanting to sign long term at a time like this what, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah that's, I mean especially with the other big defensemen out there, it's like you know, like right shot defensemen or something that you always want to get in free agency. That seems like the spot where, you know, your your price is gonna rise so much. And I don't know if I don't really know if, if uh Tanev has done enough. Like he was healthy this year, but if you just look at his past, like nobody wants to go out and sign a guy that's gonna be playing fifty games for you every year. And with Jacob Markstrom, you gotta you gotta look at other goaltenders that are gonna hit free agency. I think Braden Holtby is gonna hit free agency. Robin yeah. Leonard's gonna hit free agency. Like those are both goaltenders that are you know, in the same class, or maybe even, you know, Braden Holpe's case, he might be above Jacob Markstrom uh, in that class for goaltenders and defensemen. Like, there's so, there's a lot of right shot defensemen. Sammy Vattenen, uh Tyson Berry, and I think, I think the top guy, I think even more valuable to a team would be Alex Petrangelo, uh, who's another right shot defenseman. And we saw what happened with the St. Louis Blues signing, uh, I forget the guy's name they just signed, but, um, Scandella. Scandella, thank you. They just signed him uh, to like a weird, co- like a strange contract. Because He didn't I know. didn't do a lot for them, and it's kind <laughs> of like Blues fans were going nuts on Twitter. And I didn't know there was that many Blues fans, but I saw a lot of it uh, on Twitter saying like Angelo It's been nice like having you as our captain and stuff. Like he's gonna hit free agents. He he's a very effective player, even at the age of thirty. But he's the guy like you touched on. Our player is gonna sign the one year deal. I think that the players under the age of thirty will, but I think the players that are thirty don't want to get to. You know, 31 or sign a one or two year deal and get to 31 or 32 and, and then point. have to sign another contract. So you bring up Taylor Hall's a perfect example. He'll be 28 or maybe 29 when the contract, uh, when he signs that free agent contract. He might be a guy that signs a one year deal. And then the other thing is like you talk about the buyouts that possibly happen and you mentioned like last week, we weren't really sold on it that that was going to be a thing. But looking back in history now, like it happened after the uh, full season lockout. So, if you go and you and the Canucks get rid of Louis Erickson's six million dollar contract and Taylor Hall's looking to sign a one-year deal on a team that's butting into the playoffs and wants to make that next step, like he's a great player to add on a one- year deal. You know, I don't know if he's gonna be looking for that. I'm sure the other teams are going to give him a longer contract, but you bring up a good point that if you're signing like a six year contract or a seven year contract like you can the Max and free agency, do you want to do it after a pandemic That the team didn't, like, every NHL team Hasn't made money in almost a year By the time you're signing that contract Like, it's it's crazy to think about Or maybe six months without, like, any sort of income Coming in, but, like, Taylor Hall Seems like the prime candidate to be the guy That signs a one-year deal, but the other guy And it's, you know, it's a Vancouver turn here Like, Tyler Toffoli, he's gonna be 28 or 29 when they sign that contract as well So is he looking for a one-year deal With Vancouver to kind of see how it's like And do something like that, so yeah, it, it opens up the door, and I think for goaltenders or anyone over the age of 30, they're going to want to get that long-term like, stability with their contract. But guys that are under 30 and are top free agents, like I, I think that they might want to bite the bullet and just take that one-year deal so they can set something up next year for a big deal.
0: I was just about to bring up Toffoli. Like, who would have thought two months ago
2: that we Ugh. would be
0: talking about Toffoli taking a one-year deal?
2: <laughs> like... Well, dude, we were like, we were crapping on people on Twitter for saying that that was even a possibility, right? Because it was like at the time, it was so crazy to think, but now, yeah, there's you know, no like, way taking that. It is possible now, like it yeah, is totally.
0: Yeah, if dude, like if he, okay, so for people that maybe aren't following, I'll I'll dumb it down a little. Not that you're dumb, but I'll explain. <laughs> so basically, if Toffoli takes a five-year deal right now, or three, four, whatever, 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 whatever the case may be, okay. When Seattle comes into the league, there's going to be a new TV deal. If history repeats itself, the cap went up dramatically when Vegas entered the league. This is probably going to happen again when Seattle enters the league. So, say to Foley now, let's say he takes a five year deal at a $6 million cap hit, okay? Let's just, just for argument's sake, that's what we throw out there. By the time he's in the, let's say, second or third year of that deal, he's going to be making way less than he's actually worth. Especially with this global pandemic I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to pay up uh, With so much uncertainty around the cap And really just uncertainty around everything About their team's revenue About literally everything I'm sure all of you know that there's a lot of uncertainty right now About literally everything So Toffoli takes a one year deal now the cap, the economy, hopefully go back up in the next year, and then next offseason is when he cashes in on his big payday, which would have been this offseason, but next offseason is when he's going to be targeting it. That's the thinking behind this, oh, are these guys going to take one-year deals? Just for anybody that wasn't quite following our conversation there.
2: Yeah, and Jacob Marshall the other big conversation, right? Like, I don't know if he's in the boat of taking a one-year deal, but like, it's at least, like, entertainable now. Like, people were saying, oh, if Jacob Marks takes that one or two-year deal, like, I don't know, after the season and not, still the fact that Jacob Markstrom hasn't had playoff success in the NHL, I think that's a thing that you're going to see, you know, the reason that Holtby's going to get such a huge contract is because of that, right? Like, that's what he's going to do. He's going to get that big contract, and, and Jacob Markstrom just hasn't been able to do it at the playoff level, but if he signs a one or two-year deal with the Vancouver Canucks, he can probably still cash in at, you know, 31 or 32, so like, they, yeah. there like it's a possibility now. When before it was just ridiculous to think that, but it could end up working out. Some of these things could work out in the Vancouver Canucks favor because we want to see what Thatcher Demko can do, right? We want to see more Thatcher Demko. Mm-hmm. Still, we want to see Jacob Markstrom if he can do it consistently. So a one or two year deal is amazing for the Vancouver Canucks. It's probably not what Jacob Markstrom wanted, and I I would still think that his agent's going to be looking for a four year contract. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's going to depend on the market, and it's going to be. You know, that's the thing that people aren't even talking about a lot. Like, what is the free agency market going to look like? Because if they don't play hockey and they don't finish the season and they don't play for a Stanley Cup playoffs, there's a lot of free agents that still have a lot to prove, and they didn't really get that opportunity. Whether it be a guy like Tyler Toffoli, who was traded to the Vancouver Canucks after having. You know, a couple seasons where he wasn't as hot with the LA Kings. Obviously, it was a lot worse team there in LA, but he was he was coming back and wanted to be like, I'm still a playoff producer at the ace that I'm at. I know I did it when I was young, but he wanted to keep continuing that playoff success. And Vancouver would have been a great spot for him to do that. I think a lot of players that got traded at the deadline or traded during the season, like Taylor Hall's a great example, like he wanted to prove that he could be a playoff contributor, and they just didn't really get that opportunity. So it's kind of like, you know their resumes are missing something, right? A lot of these free agents are, except for Petrangelo. That's why I think he's the number one guy. Uh, and if he wants yeah. to take, you know, he's going to be the guy who's going to ask for that six million, de- six-year deal. At, I would not be surprised if he gets nine million plus. Uh, but aside from him, like Torrey Krug, maybe, maybe he can sign a long contract as well. He's proven that he can win in the playoffs. He's proven that he can be effective, but he's also small. So, like. Everybody seems to be missing something on their resume Whether it's due to the pandemic mm. or not It seems like a lot of these free agents are going to be missing Just that one little thing That takes them to making like one or two million dollars more And that's why you bring up the point of just signing a one year deal Maybe they figure out how to kind of Fill in that missing part on the resume With a one year deal And then, then really cash in on something big
0: That's a great point And I want to pose this question to you Chris So let's say there's no buyout the Canucks can't get rid of Louis Oh, uh, let's not contract. say
2: that. Let's, let's say there
0: is going to be one. No, no, I really no. want one. <laughs> I want to pose a question to you that I saw okay. on Twitter a little today, okay? Or last week, whatever. So let's say there's no buyout and the Canucks are still stuck with Louis Erickson's anchor. Oh, it hurts. I know it does hurt for me to even say it. You have the option. You can only bring one back, for argument's sake. You can only bring one back Tyler Toffoli or Jacob Markstrom. Who are you bringing back? Term and cap hit aside, who are you bringing back?
2: Man, if you're taking term, yeah. If Like, if they were both signing for four years, it's Jacob Markstrom for me. I, I don't think that I've seen enough from Thatcher Demko. I think that, you know, the fact that you're bringing in a guy like Tyler Toffoli at the trade deadline or just before the deadline that can secure up your top six. He's a top six player. That's great. I think top six players... Are very fluid in the NHL I think some seasons you're a top 6 player Sometimes you're not I think with a starting goaltender Who won that many games for the Vancouver Canucks last year And I think was the Canucks MVP The most impactful player on this team I 100% I've seen this float around on Twitter But I'm 100% in the camp that it's Jacob Markstrom
0: Interesting Because I've seen a lot of people say the opposite I've seen a lot of people say Foley, And obviously there can be a case made for both yep. Jacob Markstrom was the team's MVP this year uh, we, you know, you and I both understand that we have not seen enough from Thatcher Demko. Like, I'm not confident he can be an effective starter yet. Are you? Like, I, I, I haven't seen enough from him, and I want to see more from him. And that's only going to happen if he plays more. And when he was given that opportunity to play, he didn't show extremely well.
2: No, I think if if you're if you're able to add a one year deal with you know a one or two year deal of Robin Leonard. Maybe, maybe then you go with Tyler Toffoli, but at the same time, like Leonard's not going to be that much cheaper than Jacob Markstrom. So like, that's, I've seen people, a lot of people float that idea. It's like, oh, let's get him a veteran guy to play with Thatcher Demko and they can do like 50-50 and let Demko push for the starting role. It's like, sure, but you're going to be paying, if you want a, a quality veteran goalie. You're gonna be paying him almost as much as you're gonna pay Jacob Markstrom, anyways. So like that that part of the debate's ridiculous. And then I've seen people say that that Mikey DiPietro is ready to be the backup and push yeah, with Thatcher Demko. Yeah, no. And those people have not watched a single <laughs> game of Mikey DiPietro this year. Listen, DiPietro sometimes he stands on his head. He has some incredible games, especially at the end of the year for the Yuka Comets. He was their best player for the last month and a half. And Corey, Corey, I'll talk to him about that later about it. But I know Corey would agree with that. And listen, like he's he's a great prospect. He is nowhere near close to being an NHL goaltender, and like that's not a that's not a shot at him. I think he he definitely has the potential to be a, an outstanding goalie. Like he's he's very athletic, but the thing is, when you're letting in shots at the AHL level on a consistent basis, where you should be stopping him like it, at certain times, Di Pietro just isn't in the right position. And that he needs to work on that at the HL level before he even starts seeing NHL shots. We've seen DiPietro get shots at him at the NHL level, and it just hasn't been good, right? Like he's he's got a long way to go. Uh, but that's the thing. Like I've I've finally understood a little bit about how goaltenders take a long time to develop because they need to they need to move up through the ranks, right? Like Thatcher Demko did it at the NCAA level. He improved every single year. Came to the AHL, probably got shelled in his first few games pretty hard. But then you learn the shots. You learn how much difference there is in an AHL shot to an NCAA shot. And man, the biggest jump probably still is jumping from the AHL to the NHL. Like, I know that a lot of players in college hockey are pretty solid, and they have some good shots. You can jump to the AHL from there, and it's it's a pretty big jump. I mean, you're going to professional hockey. That's a big jump. Ask Brogan Rafferty. He tore it up from it. But that jump of going to guys who have the best shots in the world... They're in the NHL, and if you know if you're not consistently tearing up the AHL, and you're just an absolute stud like Thatcher Demko was in his last year when he was forced to be called up to the NHL, like there's a lot of work to go in the AHL before you get to the NHL as a goaltender. I think, and you know, like not everyone's Carter Hart. Like you can't just have an incredible first year in the AHL jump right up to the NHL.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great time to kind of jump to riding the bus with Corey Hergott. We'll do that right after we play an ad from Parallel Forty Nine and Zephyr Epic. So on the other side of the break, we will discuss what we wrote on the Patreon this past week and a few other things. Keep it locked here. This is Canucks Conversation.
2: And I just want to give a quick shout-out to the presenting sponsor of the Canucks Conversation. That's right, folks. Parallel 49 Beer. They are out there on the streets, on the front lines, delivering beer straight to your doorstep. Uh, If you want some more information about the delivery service, they're doing it all through Vancouver, Surrey. They're going out to Abbotsford. They're doing a ton of deliveries, so you don't have to just be in East Van to get your Parallel 49 now. Uh, And I was just recently at the BC Liquor Store, and I had to pick up some Apricotopus. Um, uh, Their newest beer I hope I pronounced that right But I probably didn't But uh, the new beer That they come out with It's an Apricot Sour It was absolutely delicious If you're into sour beers at all I recommend checking them out But if you want some more information On the delivery service Or how to pronounce Apricotopus. Uh, check them out on Instagram at Parallel49Beer. They'll answer all of your DMs or there's some information for how to give them a call or email them. So go check out Parallel49Beer.
0: Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for sports cards and trading card games. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50. And now, join them for Thursday night breaks at 5pm Pacific Time every Thursday and be a part of an epic case break experience. Purchase your spot on ZephyrEpic.com and watch the live stream on Twitch.tv slash ZephyrEpic. And for all you Canucks Conversation podcast listeners, you can save $5 off your purchase with the code CanucksConvo. Some restrictions apply. Follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
3: McEwen into the goal and he scores! What a play by Zach McEwen who draws the Comets to within one. A little shimmy, shake, In with
1: a shot and he scores!
2: Right, guys joining us now it's time for Riding the bus with Corey Hergott We got a lot to talk about this week Corey You dropped an article on the Patreon earlier this week I know we touched on it a little bit last week um, But maybe now that it's posted for people uh, You talked to Robert Esch uh, which was you know a great conversation uh, hearing some of the stuff that you guys talked about was, was pretty amazing. The stories that he told uh, and I know you mentioned it last week on the show that he's a great storyteller um, but the article came out and uh, we got a few more patreon supporters from Utica it seemed like so uh, that was kind of cool to see them come up and uh, your people are now on the patreon, Corey. that's good stuff
3: that's great to know. it's great to hear that uh, we've got some folks from U- Utica uh, signing up for the patreon. Yeah work that we're doing uh i love doing uh anything comments related so uh, all of this stuff is is a blast for me and uh having that conversation with robert Esh was uh was absolutely fantastic he's he's a great person to talk to he's very uh he's very much a regular dude uh he was laughing and, and uh, giggling all the way through the conversation um you know he he was just a really down-to-earth good guy to talk to and uh you know he's uh he's somebody that i'm definitely interested in uh, in speaking with again and and hopefully we'll be able to do that sometime down the road uh but but yeah our conversation was mostly based around uh you know how it is that the comets ended up uh like the that the vancouver canucks ended up with a farm team in utica uh kind of why it is that that uh robert esch got involved with that and uh, it was just—it was really fascinating for me to hear. You know, you got a guy that was uh, played in the NHL for Phoenix and and for uh, Philadelphia, and uh, right from his early days in the league, he was already you know thinking about how can I bring uh, AHL hockey back to my community. When the when the New Jersey Devils pulled their farm team out of there, it really hit the community hard, and uh, Esh saw that and wanted to try to rejuvenate and revitalize the the community and you know he's done that now bringing the Utica Comets there with an AHL team he's got Utica City FC Mm -hmm. uh, a soccer team there he's got restaurants going there uh, and and other industries have come back and have come to Utica and small businesses as well as big ones since the Comets uh, have landed there again so I think it's just a really fantastic thing you've got a guy with great community pride and with a lot of passion for for what he believes in and uh you know it was a long haul for him to do it but he made it work and and uh you know it's giving me uh the comments being in Utica I think gave me a, a bit of a I don't want to say an edge but it gave me a little bit of a um, a head start, maybe, on some of the other people kind of covering the team now. I don't think a lot of people were in in our market were all that um, active in trying to cover the team uh, because it wasn't close. It wasn't easy to uh, access players. It yeah. wasn't easy to sit down and watch the games and and uh, and be able to go through that. And uh, you know, if the team was in Abbotsford, I I don't think I would have been able to kind of get the the foothold that I have uh, been able to get in covering the comments so for me it's a, a bit of a selfish thing i'm thrilled that the team is there it gave me a, a bit of a chance to get things going maybe a, a little bit ahead of a few other people and uh, get my voice heard a little bit sooner and, and that's i think that's really helped me to be able to uh, continue bringing this kind of work and to make the relationships and, that i've been able to make in the last couple of years so uh I love the team being there. I love what Robert Ash has done. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's, he's done a really, a really good thing there. And, and it's, uh, it's a great, great community for the Canucks prospects to be playing in. Uh, I heard Zach McEwen speaking with, uh, Rain and Matt the other day on right. uh, ESPN, uh, Utica Rome there on their show. And Zach talked about how important it was for him to be playing in a community like that, there with that kind of fan support, and how unreal it is. And uh, you know, that's a that's a, my opinion. That's a great uh, atmosphere for for you know NHL prospects to be playing, and they get uh, as close to uh, a real life experience, NHL experience, as you can get down there. They have a smaller building, but it's generally packed and uh that's one thing that robert ash mentioned in the interview playing in front of a packed building is huge in a player's development now whether that packed building has 14,000 people in it or 4,000 people it doesn't matter just as long as that the place is packed and that the uh the team is the focus of the community and that's what the comets have there
2: yeah it's you know like i'd uh, I talked about it with you in previous episodes. Like the first year I've invested in the AHL TV and you see some of the crowds at some of these other AHL team games. And, you know, I wonder if that's what it would look like if it was in Abbotsford because we see what it's like in Utica and, you know, just the fact of like the goal horn being so loud and being so different than the other AHL teams. And, you know, the, the crowd's going nuts. Like I, you would see it a lot in the AHL games. Like when a goal scored, it goes to the crowd, you know, they're, they're happy, but you see what happens when a goal scored in Utica and, like, they, they pan to the crowd. They do a great job with the video work at the AHL TV level. And that is just, you just see, like, actual celebrations in the crowd, right? Like, it's it's the biggest show in town. And, like, Utica's not a tiny little city, right? Like, they, they love their hockey, and they fill up that arena every night. It's it's amazing to see what they've been able to accomplish there. And a big part of it, like you mentioned, is because of Robert
3: Ash. Yeah, and, and that's just it. He, he, see, he knows that it's a hockey hotbed. Yeah. He grew up there. He grew up a fan watching the... Uh, the um, Utica Devils playing there, and, and he knew what, uh, <laughs> what kind it of atmosphere. <laughs> I got it. I had to think about it. I, I took an extra second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said Albany. <laughs> but uh, he saw what, what that kind of atmosphere uh, did for his community, and, and uh, kudos to him for you know setting that goal very, very early on. Uh, in his life and seeing it through to fruition and uh, you know it's it's just been a great great thing
2: yeah absolutely it's uh it's been a great thing on the patreon as well we talked about your article that you worked on uh this past week we've got a couple coming up here uh, quads has got one coming out it's about bull horvat and the captaincy what's uh what's coming up for you here in the future cory what are you working on
3: well with uh with the news in the last week or so that uh we expect to see nikolai goldobin heading back to the khl that kind of it kind of brought an article a little to the forefront that I was going to wait on a little bit. I I was going to start breaking down a few of the players, uh, seasons first, but uh, with, with the, the knowledge that Goldie's heading back overseas, I thought it would be a good time to uh, kind of break down who the Comets have that, uh, that's on expiring deals. I think they've got 13 players on AHL deals that are all, uh, they're all up at the end of this season. So, uh, there's gonna be a, probably a handful of those guys back, but a few of them will probably be replaced with other players. Uh, I'm gonna look at the, the guys that are on, were on NHL deals last year that were kind of more Utica based, uh, that were UFAs, Tyler Grayovac, Ashton Sautner, uh, Richard Bogman, Louis Domingue, uh, um, if we look at their the restricted free agent, uh NHL level guys, obviously Goldie is one of those and it sounds like he's moving on. Will Reed Boucher be back, uh Justin Bailey, Francis Perron, Jalen Chatfield, Guillaume Brisbois. There there's gonna be some questions that need to be answered. So I'm gonna kinda try to break down a little bit of uh that side of things. Which players I think uh, we might see back which ones might be on the fence and maybe a few of the, the new faces that we might see coming in from the prospect pool. We know that uh, really, there's a really good chance that Jet Wu Will end up being there, uh, you know. Could we see Nils Hoglander end up there? Uh, could Carson Folk end up there? Uh, there are a few guys. Uh, Jack Rathbones, another he could he could make the decision to turn pro. So uh, lots lots of irons in those fires right now at the
2: moment. Yeah, and I've uh, I've been talking with um, Hoglander's agent. Uh, we might be expecting something in the next uh, ten days or so. Uh, about him signing uh, They need to wait for the World Championship window To cross over And after that happens uh, It's it's all for games. game So that's a little bit Of tidbit for people We might be seeing Huglander That's going to be the news That we might hear In the next two weeks uh, But nice. of course I'm excited to talk about A lot of those guys We'll talk about them Next week I think When the article drops Because yeah, I, I want to just you know, I could ask so many questions About guys like Justin Bailey I wonder what he's like Next year But we'll we'll save that For this uh, We'll save that for next week Because there was Some big news Like you just mentioned Earlier on Nikolai Goldobin Heading back to the KHL you know, he never really got the opportunity uh, this season in uh, with Vancouver, but he played over 100 games in that Vancouver Canucks organization, played in Utica, but what was missing this year that, you know, didn't get him propelled to the NHL level, do you think?
3: Oh, man, you know, and I... I, I... I hate to say it because I never want to speak uh, negatively about any player. I, I think Nikolai Goldobin is a fantastic person. I think he's a great hockey player. I think at the end of the day, um, where it lacks for him, and, oh man, I hate saying this, but I I don't know if it's a passion for the game mm. or a drive to, uh, uh, like a, that extra drive to, to take that next step. Um, it almost feels like, uh, you know, like he... <laughs> I was on with Sakaris and Price uh, earlier in the week, and, and uh, one of the one of the ways I, I kind of said it was: there were a lot of games this year where I could easily have said Nikolai Goldobin was the most skilled player on the ice, but there were very few, if any, games where I would have said, "Man, he's the hardest working, most dedicated guy out there." Uh, you can see the skill uh, oozing from the player. He, you know, he makes tape-to-tape passes from ridiculous spots on the ice. He he's got incredible vision, but what end? What we ended up seeing uh, more often—well, I shouldn't say more often than not. What we ended up seeing a lot, and what I think ended up kind of, you know, stym- his chances at at another look at the NHL level were those, you know, high-risk, high-reward plays that he would try. Yeah, he'd make those fantastic passes and. Yeah. You know, a lot of times they would lead to goals. He had 31 assists this year in, in uh, 51 games, I think. So, you know, he, he was able to set plays up, but there were so many times where he just made bad passes, like unforced errors. Uh, you know, you, you, you kind of were left thinking, who was he even trying to pass the puck to there because he just threw it straight onto the tape of a player on the other, te- on the other team. And that kind of play coupled with the fact that if he didn't have the puck on his stick he wasn't working super hard a lot of the time to get it back Mm -hmm. there were times when I saw Goldie dig in deep in the corners and you think man he gets it like he gets it today and then uh you know three or four shifts later he'll go out there and uh he'll fly he'll just do a flyby on a guy rather than checking him and those are the plays that kept him in in the ahl those are the plays that you know if travis green was watching tape and and seeing what goldie did in a game he was probably on the edge of his seat thinking holy cow <laughs> if i stick this guy with with besser and petterson again uh we could have something and then he'll see two shifts where goldie just soils the sheets with bad plays or indifferent play and it's just like okay well that's why he's in in Utica that's why he's down at the American League level because yeah. he just doesn't seem to he doesn't seem to get it that he, you have to be you have to be contrib- contributing on every shift whether that's you know getting a puck back or setting up a play or at least look like you're trying to contribute there were just a, there were a few too many times for me this year where it just looked like Goldobin kind of his give a bleep meter wasn't maybe quite as dialed in as it needed to be
2: yeah like yeah, I, I get where you're coming with that. And, That's I, I kind of want to ask you, like, I, I got a gr- great quote from Nikolai Goldobin at training camp, and I just want to, like, see, like, where you kind of feel about this, because it, it makes a lot of sense of what you're talking about with his passing and such. Like, I asked him about what it was like playing with Elias Petterson and this is the quote that I got from Goldobin. He said, Sometimes I'm in a position where I'm not supposed to be, but there is an opening, and he sees that, and he was talking about Petterson there. Like, how much does that make sense for you when you hear that quote? Like, is that something that you saw a lot from him this year?
3: Well, that could be, you know, and that could be part of the issue with uh, with some of his plays that that uh, that he's making that are getting picked off. Could it be that uh, he's thinking of a play ahead of the of his line mates? Maybe uh, is that the is that the issue? Is is it not that he was making a bad pass? It was that he was trying to be the the Elias Pettersson in that scenario and trying to put a puck to a place where uh maybe the player wasn't supposed to be but he was hoping the guy would get there uh maybe i don't know i i just to me he just it it just seemed like if if he had it in him if he just had that extra little bit of man i need to really show the coach that i get it i think that he'd be able to like, he'd be a fantastic player at the nhl level i just i i just don't see that Coming from him right now, and maybe going back to the KHL for a couple of seasons, uh, that'll give him the hunger to get back here and, yeah. and be able to do those uh, you know step up and make those plays and and uh, be a more complete player. Like that's being asked of him, but it just it sometimes it just doesn't seem like he gets what's being asked of him.
2: Yeah. The final thing I'll ask you about Goldobin, um, it was I think it was the favorite line that I saw all year in the AHL, uh, Sven Berchi. Lucas Yasik, Nick Ligoldow, and how much fun was that at the start of the year when this Utah Commons team was just winning every single game?
3: Oh, they were a lot of fun to watch, and I think that was uh it was it wasn't uh Yashik's best month of the season, but it was one of them. And it was uh it I think it definitely helped him kind of uh, learn the ropes a little bit as a centerman. He had two really good uh, playmakers <laughs> with him, so he didn't have to kind of carry the playmaking load. He could kind of focus more on the defensive side of things things and i think at the at you know at that position playing center that's the area where his game still needs the most work is is the defensive side of stuff so uh, if i were to actually say what my favorite line with gold open was this year and it was very short-lived i think three or four games yeah. but cole lind was in the middle justin bailey was on the left side and goldie was on the right side Ooh, and it. uh and those three were a lot of fun to watch for those handful of games uh Cole looked like he was uh, a different player. Uh, Obviously, he was playing the middle, so that was a a little bit different uh, scenario for him. But uh, playing with two guys, you know, you got Goldie with all oozing that skill, and you've got Bailey with all that speed. It just looked like Cole had options all over the place when he was (laughs) trying to set up a play. So... That that trio was a lot of fun for me to watch. I'd have all the time in the world to see those three uh, play a bunch of games together, but uh, it doesn't sound like we're going to be able to see that happen.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Well, you know, it was it was an okay run. There was a lot of fun at the start of the year watching Goldobin do some of the stuff. I remember, you know, and you touched on it. Like it looked like he was the most skilled player a lot. That one game, uh, I got it in front of me here. It was against the Cleveland uh, Monsters. Um, it was on March, no, it was January 31st, and they were losing by two with about seven minutes left. Uh, and Goldobin went and scored two goals back to back so fast, tied it up. Uh, or no, I think the first one was to tie it up, and the second one was to win it. Uh, and they ended up taking that game. I just, you know, that was that was a perfect example of Goldobin's skill at the AHL level, just being able to take over a game. So. Uh, you know, it's 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 going to be tough to see him go to the KHL, but we will see. A couple years away, I know he just uh, talked to Thomas Durant, and in the interview, he mentioned that he would love to be back in Vancouver uh, after that, but um, lots to talk about Corey, and I know the article that you're going to write is going to be awesome, talking about some of the players that we're going to see next year. You know, I'm just looking at the cap-friendly page right now. Jalen Chatfield, Guillaume Brisebois, Ashton Sautner, Justin Bailey, Tyler Graevac, Francis Perron, who doesn't get talked about enough, like... I'll, we'll, we'll have a huge conversation. This might have to be a bonus episode of you and me actually just talking about these guys, but we'll figure that out uh, before next week, and thanks again for doing this this week, Corey.
3: Yeah, no worries, Chris, and uh, one more thing I'll say about Goldie is, uh, you know, if he could get his, if he can work on his shot a little bit more uh, yeah. while he's in the KHL, I think that'll help him a little bit as well, because, uh, I mean, he had 19 goals in 51 games this year, and I'm convinced he could have been awfully close to 30 if he would have just dialed his shot in a little bit more yeah. he uh he fired so many shots high or wide of the net or hit the goalie right in the chest this year and uh just uh you just you could see it it was that close he could have been you know if he just finished the year with with uh 30 goals or close to it you know maybe he gets another look next year
2: yeah only 92 shots this year uh beat by a lot of players on the team including rafferty colin Reed Boucher more than doubled him. Uh, Justin Bailey with a ton of shots. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens after these two years. Uh, I, I wrote the article, hashtag buy Goldie, but uh, maybe we'll be seeing hello to Goldie in a couple years. We'll see about that. Yeah, you bet. All right, well, it's going to be a big AHL week next week. We're planning on doing the pack opening with you. Uh, you know, that article you're going to drop is going to be huge. We're going to talk about that a lot. And, yeah, maybe we'll even have the bonus episode. So, uh, big AHL week coming up next week, Corey. It should be a lot of fun.
3: Sounds good. You know, I'm always down for it. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Talk to you next week, Cory. You bet.
0: And a huge thank you to our sponsors, Zephyr Epic and Parallel 49 Brewing Company, and of course, Corey Hergott for joining us for Riding the Bus. Chris, one player you and Corey talked about was Nikolai Goldobin. We got the news. He's in the KHL. You yeah. wrote an article, hashtag buy Goldie. It's no more free Goldie, it's buy Goldie. And I think this is kind of the end of an era. And, you know, maybe I'm being a little dramatic, but Goldie <laughs> was kind of a player that marked almost like the start of the Canucks rebuild. And it was when the Canucks realized, okay, like the best course of action for the organization is to bottom out. And I don't, I won't use the word tank, but tank. They, they made a rebuilding move and they traded Yannick Hansen for Goldobin along with a fourth round pick. Could have become a first if the Sharks won the cup that year. Keep that in mind. But uh, that was what they got back, and Goldobin is no longer with the Vancouver Canucks. Chris, go off, man.
2: I hate to see him go, man. I hate to see him go. But at the same time, I didn't really want to watch him do another year, and, and he wouldn't have been here, honestly. He There's no chance of him signing with the Canucks after this past season. Like There was no way he was going to go back to Utica. He's talked about it, and uh, Thomas Durant just spoke to him in The Athletic. Uh that was a good article because Goldie kind of opened up a little bit about his opportunity. Maybe he didn't get enough. Like he played a hundred games for the Vancouver Canucks. It's kind of crazy to think that. Um, but he played over a hundred games with the Vancouver Canucks. But a lot of those games wasn't really put into a position where he's like gonna succeed. He played a lot with Brandon Sutter. He played a few like even his final game here in Vancouver. He's finishing off. He plays what, like eight minutes in that game? In a game where the Canucks replaced him with Jake Fertan, and Jake Fertan was on the ice for five minutes. Goals at even strength against And they replaced them on that line uh, They replaced Goldie with Vertanen in that game And he goes out there and, and gold opens on the ice In that final game, doesn't give up a goal One of the only Canucks in that game That was the game against Pittsburgh uh, Where they were winning like, I think it was like 6-3 With 15 minutes to go in the game And then the Pittsburgh Penguins came back And ended up winning 8-6 With just a ridiculous, that was when if Evgeny Malkin just went off uh, If you remember that game at all Possibly one of the worst games of the year But yeah, like Goldobin has enough skill to be in the NHL He doesn't have enough Travis Green mentality To play on the Vancouver Canucks That's the only way I'm seeing it uh, I, I was kind of surprised when he went decided to go back to the KHL Like Goldie's always been A type of guy that wants to play in North America He wants to play in the NHL And I, I thought that he would have been given an opportunity I, I kind of you know, As I was writing that article uh, It was right before he got signed with the KHL And I was kind of looking at some teams where he would fit And I was thinking like does he fit with you know in Edmonton Oilers Would he make it in the Edmonton Oilers top 6 Like Zach Cassian plays in their top 6 I think Goldobin's more skilled than him um, And you know like Tampa Bay Lightning Does he play on the Tampa Bay Lightning Because they're a team that runs 4 lines That are actually trying to score goals Instead of just not or Trying to not get scored on So I thought that, that was another opportunity for him um, So I was, I was surprised when I heard he was going back to the KHL Because he's not one of the type of players That you know wants to return home To play hockey He's the type of guy that wants to be you know, I think he likes the North American spotlight. Like he likes being the guy who's came from Russia and is now in the best league in the world in the NHL. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're hearing about Nikolai Goldobin's name in 2 years after his contract is up in the KHL, but for now he's he's going to go over there and he's probably going to be line mates with former Canucks legend Linden Vey uh, see them play together cuz Linden Vay tears it up for the uh, CSKA team. Is that who he signed with? Um, it is so he'll be with Linden Vey on that team and Linden Vay's been like their leading scorer uh, a couple of the past years. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe Goldobin will go over there and tear it up. He obviously went through a lot of bad luck. Um, he talked about it in the Thomas Dranson view Like he just couldn't score uh, the second half of the year last year, and that's tough. Like he was getting an opportunity with Bo Horvat. You look at their on ice shooting percentage; it was like below two percent for a lot of the year. Uh, I just did a little bit of digging in the article that I wrote, um, looking at some of the stuff that he did when he was playing with Elias Pettersson. So in the 360 minutes that he played with Elias Pettersson, out of the top 15 players that Elias Petterson has been on the ice with during his career the lowest goals against per 60 is Nikolai Goldobin it's also you know that's that's crazy to see like Chris Tanev is second on that list with 1.96 goals against per 60 minutes Nikolai Goldobin is the lowest there was only 1.5 goals against in per 60 minutes when he was with Elias Petterson so the fact that they just didn't get scored on something something worked with those guys man they they I talked to him in training camp they both called it european style the way that they played was a european style and that's what they said and like something worked with those two together but you know maybe bringing in jt miller and bringing in tyler toffoli and you know brock besser being healthy you just kind of bumped him out of the position where he could be a top 6 contributor but i still stand by the argument that one of those guys could have dropped down to a third line and been so effective like you could have had jt miller on the second line playing with horvat that would have just Cranked up Horvat's game to another level And I I wrote the article earlier this year Like Nikolai Goldobin is a free Addition to the Canucks top 6 And I think he would have been a free addition to play with Elias Pedersen because they they seem to have Chemistry and if you have chemistry between players I'd like to see them give it as long as A run as possible and we just didn't get an Opportunity to see that because you know I guess Travis Green just doesn't believe in Nikolai Goldobin he doesn't believe that the fit's there with His team and that's where I stand On that Uh, Buy Goldie is what I say Now no more free Goldie
0: yeah, I you know what? I I'm with you on that one, man. But one thing I think is worth mentioning and I think we kind of glossed over it. In that one game he played this year, his Corsi percentage was 7.7. 7. That is atrocious. So yeah, he wasn't on the he wasn't on the ice for a goal against at 5 on 5. But man, I I remember Jackson McDonald, uh, the managing editor of Canucks Army, tweeted it at you and I, and he's like seven point seven reasons why Nikolai Kovalov <laughs> doesn't deserve to be in the NHL. Well,
2: and Bull that- Horvat had the exact same Corsi percentage that game, so you know there's something to be said there as well. And that was the only player I think on the Canucks that had a positive Corsi that game was Quinn Hughes, and that's just Quinn Hughes things right there. But yeah, it, it was it was, it was a tough game. You, listen, you let in eight goals against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Everyone's going to have a pretty rough looking Corsi And the fact that Goldobin wasn't on the ice for a goal against it Out of 8 goals And he's playing there because he's a defensive liability And your team gives up 8 goals and you're not on the ice for one It just seems ridiculous to me But you mentioned the Corsi like Obviously that that means something That means that he wasn't involved in the play enough But that line got caved in that game Elias Petterson had a rough Corsi JT Miller had a rough Corsi Jake Furtana was on the ice for 5 goals against it 5 on 5 You know, it wasn't Goldie's fault that they lost that game and got eight goals scored against them then. And I'll stand by that. that. I'll stand by that. You're not wrong about that,
0: my friend. You are not wrong about that. That is for sure. But I think, you know, you just brought up, like, in that last little sentence you said there, you brought up about three topics that we have to touch on. One of them was Bo Horvat's crappy Corsi percentage. And one thing I guess we can talk about, like... You know we well we 're going to talk about our patreon, obviously, so the patreon uh thanks to everybody who's checked it out uh, we are doing articles on there now um for a dollar sixty nine a month nice nice. you can get all of our written work and we've got some good stuff coming. we have some good stuff out there you got utica comments coverage from Corey Hergott, comments Corey and you 've got Chris and I as well i'm working on something right now called and Chris, I told you the title. Why stripping the sea of why stripping Bo Horvat of the Sea might be the worst idea since giving it to Marc Messier <laughs> And this is one that was prompted really all season long. Like it started with that PA Islander guy and like all these other people. Like I I'm seeing people being like calling into the ten forty postgame show, being like, Yeah, like Miller's gotta have the sea, like I think Bo Horvat shouldn't have the sea, and I'm like what like is this for real Like these people Oh man uh, don't get me started But basically the argument is Bo should have the C Strip from him which is just the Stupidest stupidest Idea that I have heard Floated around like that is like That is a rough take to have And to stand by that take like Man I just like you. <laughs> the Canucks are sometimes They find themselves the laughing Stock of the league you know Canucks fans get lumped in with those people Who rioted after the 2011 cup final <laughs> That's the, that's the go to of every other NHL fan base on Twitter is oh well you burned your city It's like man I was at home I, I did not burn my city But I like If you want to keep that up And you want the Canucks to be the laughing stock of the league Strip your 24 year old Captain who served as captain for One year not even a full year Keep in mind Strip him of the C and give it to the guy that you traded for last summer. That's a great idea, Canucks Twitter. Like, I don't know if you've seen this or if it's just me and this is a rant that shouldn't even be happening. But are you freaking, freaking kidding me? Like, is this for real? Like, these people are tweeting that, yeah, Elise Pedersen could have the C. Uh... Uh, different names, like JT Miller's the one I see a lot, JT Miller, I'm all for him Having an A, he's a leader on and off the ice Sure, but to sit There and suggest That Bo Horvat should have the C Stripped from his chest And just plant it right Onto JT
2: Miller's chest Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, have you seen this at all, or is it just me? I've seen a little bit of it I've seen a little bit of it, but like, I do remember At the start of the year, before the C was given To Horvat, a lot of people were saying that Elias Pettersson is a better, a better captain to have. You want to have your superstar. You want to keep him happy. Make him your captain, right? That's the way to do it. But look at look at the way that Bull Horvat's career has gone. He was groomed by the Sedin's. He was there for all the tough years that we just went through since 2015, right? That was his first year when he played in the. That was the last time we we're in the playoffs. He's been here through one of the worst stretches in Vancouver Canucks history. Uh, for having just the some of the worst seasons, right? Like the man, like it, it's almost funny. Like like Sportsnet's playing these games recently of like Canucks past games. They haven't really dug too deep into like the 2016, 17, 18 seasons. But when huh. they do, and Brendan Batchelor is tweeting out the lineups, it is laughable to see the kind of lineups that the Vancouver Canucks had over the past couple of years. They are so bad. And Bo Horvat was there with the Sedins, seeing how they dealt with it. Bo Horvat's the type of guy who is the perfect captain. For Vancouver, because he doesn't, he's not flamboyant. He's not going to come out. He's not going to have problems with the media. He's going to say what he's supposed to say as a captain in a major Vancouver or major Canadian hockey city, right? Like he, he's not going to be shook by the media. I don't think. I think Bo Horvat and we, you know, he was just on spitting chicklets. uh, And I know you listened to the episode. I listened to it as well. Um, Like he opened up a little bit on chicklets, which is something that you don't really see with media. But he's, I don't think that. Like, I don't think Horvat's done anything wrong Since having the C on his chest Right? Like, and I know it's going to take a lot For a captain to really mess up But Horvat's pretty much been perfect As a Vancouver Canucks captain since he got here Uh, He's played in every single game Since he had the C on his chest, that's something you want your captain To be out there at every single shift horvat has been relatively healthy throughout his career Like, he's the perfect Captain for me, for this Vancouver Canucks team I was sort of Talking about the idea that, you know, Elias Pettersson Would be a great captain, he's An excellent hockey player But I think now Looking into the future You know When the Brandon Sutters And the Alex Edlers Are off this team Like Man Having Bo Horvat As your captain And Quinn Hughes And Elias Pettersson As the assistants That's That's pretty exciting But then Like You know JT Miller He's been a leader too So I I get where that's Where that's coming from I think that JT Miller Should have a letter On his chest I just don't think It's a C And taking it away From Bo Horvat Yeah that's that does, like, it almost brings back Vibes of Mark Messi So the fact that you're writing that article, I'm excited for that one
0: Yeah, and again, that's going to be behind The Patreon paywall, you can check it out sixty nine a month, that is a very Nice deal, but, you know I do have to flat out disagree That I think that Pedersen would be a good captain I'm not convinced that Pedersen would be a good captain I'm I'm really, I'm really skeptical Of that, and I'll tell you why, so You know, he's had his run-ins with the media, whatever. Like, you know, that was, like, the start of his career. Okay, so there's that. Horvath's never had that. Um, You know, he's not quite as good at keeping his cool as Horvath. And Horvath gets animated, don't get me wrong. But I think Pedersen, like, when you piss him off... He just keeps to himself. Like, he, he keeps quiet, but he just, like, elevates his game. And that's cool to see. But sometimes you need that with, you know, what Horvat shows. When he shows it, I think Horvat picks his spots right. And, you know, we've seen images of Horvat kind of yell- not yelling at his teammates, but he'll get back to the bench and he'll yell something loud. And you can tell it's directed at everybody on that bench. Yeah. Right? And you've seen the same thing with Pedersen. Don't get me wrong, but I think. I think Horvat just has better timing of when he gets animated. You know what I mean? And I I I just think like, you know, with when you have a guy like Horvat who's like you said really the only young core piece who's had playoff experience, he scored a goal in the playoffs. When you have that on your team and you have him being groomed by the citizens and seeing them following them very closely. He sat next to a guy like Derek Dorset who I think wore an A at one point for the Canucks. Man, like, I just look at it and I see this is the guy. This is the guy you want to have as your captain. He's growing into the role, and little do a lot of people know, Horvat has taken a step in every single season that he's played. He's taken a step forward, and that includes this year. His point totals, his points per game, everything is moving up. You know, uh, let me check his point totals. Actually, I'm not sure about that, but I know his (laughs) points per game is. Checking his point totals right now. But my point remains: but Horvat has taken a step forward in every season. Not this one. Not points total. But yeah, but look per game. At, like yes. you mentioned the play
2: every every other part of Bo Horvat's game this year has been better than the past, right? Like last year, there was yeah. a lot of people in the analytics community saying that Horvat wasn't actually a great defender. Like, you know, like he was, he just was on, he was on bad teams too, right? So it's it's tough to like follow with the analytics community on that one because you kind of just, I think when you look at how bad the team is, somewhat you have to look more to eye test in a certain situation there. So I guess I agree with TSN 1050 or whatever the hell the Toronto station is who just plugs eye test all day long. Uh, but yeah, like Horvat has... <laughs> Look at how he's playing Right He's playing like Almost 20 minutes A night right now He's out there Just being the guy That matches up Against the best lines And the fact that he's able To shut down lines And contribute And not be such a minus player Like he's He's gonna go up Against the best lines He's gonna get scored on Right Like he's gonna get scored on A lot If you're going up Against Connor McDavid Leon Draisaitl, The Taylor Hall lines Of the world Like the Vegas top line Like you're going to get scored on You're going to get scored on a lot But he's winning a lot of face-offs He's Travis Green's guy, right? Like, he talked about that in the Chicklets interview Like, he loves playing for Travis Green Because Travis Green trusts him so much And that's exactly what you want in a captain I agree with you I think the argument was okay at the start of the year for Elias Pedersen I mean, he's going to be a superstar, man He's going to be one of the best players in this league um, But okay. now, like, if there wasn't a C on his chest Would people start saying the same about Quinn Hughes? Like, I don't think so Because Horvat's just been able to prove himself If they weren't to give out a captaincy this year I don't think it's grown into more of an argument to say, like if they were to do it next year and they were to put a captain on someone, it's, it's bull Horvat a thousand percent. And I think a lot of people were in the boat of, you know, it is going to be Horvat this year. And it, they, I think they made the right decision here because he is, like I said earlier, he's the perfect captain for a guy that's in a major Canadian city and playing hockey. Like he doesn't, you're right. He doesn't have the emotional attachment. Like you'll see or the emotional outburst from Elias Pettersson. So bull Horvat, that's, that's the main reason I think he's perfect for Vancouver to have the seat.
0: Yeah, like, man, I got to agree with you on that So, going on to the Patreon, I guess If people log on, they will see that you wrote an article this last week, Chris This article, I loved it, I I loved it, man What you wrote about Tanner Pearson and how he won you over And how you thought he was a fourth-line player at the start of the year Uh, (laughs) And now he's like a pretty bona fide top-six player that was a that, good enough that was of a good, a good, article, good Chris, fluid so skater to, to be able one. to
2: be a top six player. Right. I, I didn't think he fit in well with the top six. that was going to be moving forward. I thought that Bo Horvat, the way that he skates, the way that Elias Patterson skates, the way that JT Miller skates, like they skate a lot better than Tanner Pearson. All three of those guys do. And those are kind of the three guys that are the core That effective. I was happy to be proven wrong uh, from this. Like, I thought that he would be a guy that could fit in on a third line or a fourth line and contribute just a little bit, right? Like score some goals, uh, be a good guy in your bottom six that can contribute. I saw the numbers that he was putting up in his past couple of years. It looked like he was dropping off a little bit as he approached the age of 30. So I was not expecting this at all. And, He found chemistry with Bo Horvat last year At the end of the year I know like the numbers were pretty ridiculous I think he scored 9 goals uh, in 19 games And I just didn't expect that that was going to continue Into this season But it did Like I was shocked that it did Uh, Like I mentioned I was happy to be proven wrong on that Uh, I'd be interested to see what kind of contract they want to sign Pearson for in a couple years, right? Like that's going to open up the door. Tanner Pearson's a guy who's won the Stanley Cup with the LA Kings in 2013-14, a team that got hot in the playoffs, and I think that Tanner Pearson's that type of player still, right? Like he he gets into these hot streaks, he goes on a cold streak for once in a while, maybe he scores an empty netter here and there, but when he's hot and he's on, like he's a top 6 player for sure. I'm still not 100% sold that he is, you know, a 100% top 6 player. In the NHL, but on this Vancouver Canucks team and the fit that he finds with Bo Horvat, and the fact that we haven't even seen Tyler Toffoli on the wing for that line yet like that moving into next year, if they do re sign Toffoli and the Canucks come in with a top six of Miller, Pedersen, Besser, and Pearson Horvat Toffoli like that is a top six in my book, and that makes Tanner Pearson a top six player. I don't know if he's a top six player everywhere in the NHL. But with that line set up, I think that it sets up Pearson to be a top six guy. But then the interesting thing is down the road, right? Like when, when Huglander comes in, when Pod Colson comes in, those guys are going to be top six players, I think. And where does Pearson fit after that? What if he signs an extension for a few years and he's playing a little bit older? Like is he still as effective if he's playing in a bottom six role? I'd be curious to see that. But for now, like I'm down for some streaky players on the Vancouver Canucks team. Like, it's the way that I wrote in the article, like, streaky players can go off and win you a Stanley Cup championship. Like, we've seen that happen a lot. There's always a streaky player or two on every team that goes to a cup run, uh, and I think Tanner Pearson might be able to be the Canucks player for that.
0: My guy's Jake Tanner. I think Jake Furtanen's going to just go on an absolute streak in a cup run. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be shocked about that either. That would be awesome.
0: Whole city shotgunning beers? Oh, man. Dude. Wonderful. Yep. Okay, but, you know... Um. I think, you know, one thing we didn't bring up that we probably should have, and I didn't even tell you about this before we started recording the show in our outline, but apparently the NHL is looking at Pennsylvania as a potential neutral location. Did you hear about this, or do you just need me yeah, to talk this, about
2: Yeah, this neutral location thing, like, the players don't want to do it. No, they right? don't. Like, we've heard them talk about it. They don't want to do it at all. They don't want to be stuck in a hotel away from their families, like, being forced like slaves to play hockey and be away from your families for that long. That's, like... Listen, I miss hockey more just as much as anyone else does, right? Like, I really, really miss hockey. I'm going insane. You're going to see the video I'm going to post on Twitter here pretty soon. I'm going absolutely insane. Um, Like, going crazy every day. Every day is the exact same thing. I miss hockey so much. It'd be nice to have something new to talk about on the podcast. But this is idiotic. You don't take players away from their family during a quarantine, stick them in a hotel, and make them play Hockey, it's it's slave labor Is what it is, I sound like J.D. Burke going off here But this is absolutely Ridiculous, it's the dumbest idea It's it's similar to what that guy floated That one time on ESPN when he's like, oh let's take All the WWE and put them on a Cruise ship and make them perform for us It's like, what are you talking about? This is just <laughs> the stupidest stuff I've heard, like some of it's, I don't know I, I don't want to go off too much on this because I think it's ridiculous I think it's a dumb idea uh, I like the idea of a bio, I hate the idea of this That's coming out in the quarantine, but I get that I also understand that, you know, Sports Talk Radio, it's tough to fill airtime right now. Uh, That's probably why we're talking about it right here on the podcast. But I think it's so goddamn dumb uh, to even consider taking players away from their family, sticking them in New Hampshire, wherever the hell they want to put them, you know, like or Antarctica, wherever they set up a rink. Like, it's, (laughs) it's dumb. Like, don't finish the season that way. I would rather not finish the season than that. I think that's... So bad. I think that's just the worst thing you can do during a family that you know there's there's a global pandemic going on in the world. Let's take away all these grown men away from their family with their newborn kids and stuff. Like what the hell are people like this is the dumbest idea I've heard in a while And you just mentioned Taking away the C from Horvat And I think this is Even dumber than that Sorry Bo You have to miss the birth Of your first son <laughs> Exactly Like <laughs> what the hell Are people thinking That this is even a possibility it's, And I think Gary Bettman Was the one who said That they're They're considering it Right like that's what I saw the headline The other day on Twitter
0: <laughs> Oh my gosh man I just thought of this Like I thought of it more Since you You started saying that Cause like at first I'm like oh okay Like this is what They're looking at But holy cow Like yeah like Tyler Myers is basically was asked about it And he didn't want to say too much but he said You know I wasn't on that zoom call cause I Forgot but we'll get to that later Um but he said he's like yeah That would suck like that would suck And you know there, that's That's pretty straight up there, that, There's no other way of putting it that would suck But you know like I think we do have to address it a little more. So basically, what's being suggested, there's this place in Pennsylvania, hosted Kraft Hockeyville, so they have experience televising NHL games, there's two rinks at this facility, so theoretically you could play four games in a day, you could potentially play more, it just depends on airtime and everything, a lot of factors that would go into it. Players would stay in a hotel, there is a hospital right next to this place, and basically it's Kind of in the middle of nowhere, but there's a bunch of hotels around it. So, that's the thinking behind this: is if they do it, this is the best location to do so. North Dakota is another place that has been floated around. I think that was the one that was floated around. But uh, yeah, like you're right, Chris. It's it's stupid. Like the players don't want to do it, so then problems arise. They're contractually obliged to go to National Hockey League games if the National Hockey League decides to go to this location. Yes, it would piss off the players and the Players Association, but wouldn't they have to go? Like, would the NHL then fine and suspend all of its players? Like, like what, what's the protocol? Nobody knows. Like, like, what do you do if the players all decide, no, we're going to strike? Like effectively, we're gonna strike. Oh hell yeah, dude! I'm a union man. I would be striking the hell out of that. I love it. I I love it, man. So, but but then, what does the NHL do? What what course of action does the league do? Do they just like, okay, well then we're not gonna pay you. Like, what 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 happens? I'm I'm genuinely curious. What happens if the players decide no, we're not going? What if some players decide yeah, we're going? Because you know, obviously, there's the ones that are sitting at home with their families. But there's also the ones that are our age and don't
2: there's Jake have. Yeah. Jake shows up for the Canucks. I don't
0: want to name names, but there are players who I'm sure would like to get back to playing hockey. It's all they know. Like, I'm uh, obviously we can we can assume J.T. Miller, Tanner Pearson, Bo Horvat, and uh, Tyler Myers, the ones with kids, and you know there's Brandon Sutter in there too, and a few others. But those are the ones that have basically confirmed that they don't want to return to play if it means they're going to have to stay in a damn hotel especially bo yeah. like and then you know kind of going on with this if they do this hotel thing the players have to go to the hotel now or whenever it starts they have to stay there for 2 weeks okay in self isolation After the two weeks, everybody has to get tested, make sure nobody has the virus before they even start playing games. So that's two weeks where you're just sitting there and you can't even play games, okay? So bear with me here. Then they play the games, the Stanley Cup is awarded. You have to quarantine again for two weeks to see if you can go home and see your families. This is probably gonna happen in July. Bo Horvat's son is due in July. I'm thinking Bo Horvat's not going to like this idea very much of, yeah, sorry, Bo, you can't go see the birth of your son. You have to stay in this hotel because
2: Gary Bettman said so. This is so dumb. (laughs) This is just so dumb, dude. There's no chance this happens. There's no... I, I get that they're trying to explore options to finish the season, but straight up, the world's in a pandemic. You can't force people to go to a hotel and play hockey like you're... Slave labor it's, it's it's ridiculous There's no chance of it happening But you know We saw baseball start up in Taiwan I believe it's where it started Right? Like we saw that this past week They're playing with no fans I think that that's the option But the other, that's the other thing Like It's going to be hard to To find like a neutral spot And you don't want players Traveling so much I know that they're on private jets But they're still passing Through airports and stuff Like if they do get to the point Where they are going to play games Whether it's a month Or two months away from now Like like I, I'm in the boat, and I think we've talked about this on the show. Like I don't think we're gonna see any more hockey this year. I think they're gonna start it, you know, later on in the season. Uh, we talked about it with Ray Ferraro, and we talked about it a little bit off air with Ray Ferraro. But I think he was kind of in the boat too of we're not gonna see hockey uh, until November, right? And that's kind of what he expected. Um, that's what he's heard, and that was off air stuff. So we're giving you the deets here uh, on the podcast. But um, we got to mention that to Ray Ferraro interview if you guys haven't checked it out. Um, but yeah, I. I I'm in the camp of we're not going to see hockey this year But I would rather not see hockey Than see them be forced to Into slave labor pretty much is what I've said Like it, that's that's ridiculous And you mentioned like Bo Horvat missing the birth Of his son to go sit in Freaking Pennsylvania in a hotel And not be able to do anything It's just that's brutal that's, that's that's not humane to do to someone That's just absolutely ridiculous And the as a union man as I mentioned earlier The NHLPA there's no chance They allow this to happen uh, and the NHL, if they try and force this on them, that's going to look so bad. That's going to look so ridiculous. Like that's some XFL shit. If you're going to pull that out, I'm sorry for swearing, but like that is some absolute XFL stuff to pull. Um, it's it's not happening. I think the idea, of the fact that it's out there, it's okay that you know that they're considering ideas for it. That's just that ain't it, Chief? Like that's not the move right there.
0: No, it's not. Do you have anything else you want to add? Because this is like hilarious. I'm I'm loving this. This might this might be a this might be a top forty
2: moment. No, this is this is dumb. This is absolutely dumb that we're even talking about. This is another one of these questions that you would have put in in our fifty questions that we have unanswered. <laughs> this might be the stupidest one that you've had so far. These damn questions. Like this is this is absolutely ridiculous. Like, what the hell are we even? We're talking about putting players in a hotel. Like you know how many NHL players? What is there? Like nine hundred players in the NHL or something? Like that's how many people. We're gonna have to stick in a hotel in a random city of nowhere, and then they're gonna play hockey in what, like a H, a smaller than an AHL size rink, and well, people are gonna watch this on TV. How many games are gonna have to play in one day? It's gonna like start at night. It's gonna be like watching like a midget tournament, like you know, like a, or a pee wee tournament of like all day hockey of NHL players. No, it's ridiculous. It's so stupid. Like I don't even want to talk about this anymore. This is dumb. Well, there's a bunch of hotels. It wouldn't just be one Go- hotel. Well, whatever. It's like it, what's that? What's the difference? And now players are at better hotels, than other players are at like motel sixes for like three months of playing the playoff hockey. No, it's ridiculous. Like I'd rather than play on NHL video games, man. They could just play the video games and figure they're gonna be Stanley Cup champion. I see. Godet's been tearing it up lately.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, he has. And Thatcher Demko played last night too.
2: Oh, Thatcher Demko, man. Are we gonna talk about this? He went through some crap on Twitch the other day.
0: No, I don't even want to,
2: man. It's stupid. Okay, yeah. There was some. I'll mention it just so if people don't know. Talk. There was like so. Thatcher Demko was playing online. There was some, and I see this all the time on NHL. There's a lot of very racist names. NHL, the video game needs to do a fix on this because obviously you can't say you know you can't put a swear word out, but there's a way that you can you know have half the swear word or racial slur in your first name and the second half in your last name, so it shows up like that. Uh, you know, you see this all the time. I know you play a lot of NHL online as too. You see it all the time. It's ridiculous to see. Uh, it's 2020. Like. Grow up, like just grow up like it's Absolutely ridiculous that they're doing this but Aside from that the fact that Thatcher Demko Went up against a guy on NHL Whose name was Demko can't stop a Beach ball like that was that was Hilarious like have that as your name uh, If you're online at any time on Chell You got to do something for that because maybe you'll run into Thatcher Demko But the racial stuff on there Is absolutely ridiculous it's You know, I thought that, how did we get to something even stupider than putting players in a hotel room? Like, this 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 racial stuff, it's 2020, people. Like, grow up. But, yeah, that's all I wanted to talk about with that. I I think that there's some other stuff. I don't know. You got anything else, Quads? You're hosting here.
0: I'm trying to think of something stupider to bring up just to piss you off. Uh,
2: I'm already pissed off, dude. This is hold on, and and (laughs) we could talk about the video I'm about to make because that might be stupider (laughs) than everything we've talked about so far. But people will see that on Twitter in the next weekend or so.
0: Oh man, I love it. I love it. What else can we talk about? I mean, something stupider than that, huh?
2: How about you putting
0: Niels Hoglander on the third line of your NHL franchise team? He's a
2: 68. He's he was 61 like a week ago. Yeah I, re- uh, I know I haven't played the franchise in a well, while Because now I'm contemplating So I bought this fishing game for Xbox And like okay so I bought a fishing game Yeah I'm going crazy I mentioned this earlier in the show But like the fishing game is pretty fun And I think that you know like nobody else Is streaming a fishing game And maybe some people will enjoy it Like it's pretty fun uh, You drive around in this boat The graphics are absolutely horrible You're like the catch Like catching the fish Is ridiculous You like I don't know Maybe I'll have to stream it Just to show people But like you reel the fish in And the fish is like Smacking up against your boat For so long Before they like grab it Like it, the game's just ridiculous It's pretty fun to play uh, But the franchise Man the franchise Is coming together I simmed a full season Because I wanted everyone To get a little bit better Because uh, Huglander Every single shot that he took When he was a 61 overall Missed the net by like So much There was one time Where he took a shot It didn't touch anything And it hit the Like it just went out of play like he missed the net by like 15 feet. It was too high, and it just like hit the netting. And I was like, "What is going on? Like, he's his accuracy is so bad." But uh, yeah, you got to put young players in a spot where they're going to succeed. You know, like Travis Green needs to know that. Like he, you put Huglander, you bring him in, you play him on the third line. You don't play him on the fourth line and play him for six minutes. You put him out there in a spot where he's gonna succeed. Young players need to be put in that spot. That's what I'm doing with this franchise. And uh yeah, we did the draft. We uh we got we had to trade so much to get Elias Patterson. We don't have any first round picks for like five years or any second round picks. We traded away everything uh to go on a run. And the team's a lot of fun to play with now. Like Cole Lind improved a ton. He's like a seventy something now, which is nice because Yeah, like yeah, when he was a sixty, holy hell. Like trying to play with those guys was brutal. So I had to simulate a full season. Uh, and yeah, I, I, so I don't know if you've done a lot of fantasy drafts, but this is the first one where I drafted a goalie pretty high. Like I drafted, uh, Andre Vasilevsky like really high. Cause I was like, I'm going to have a good goalie for the first time ever. And like, man, do they ever make a difference having a good goalie? Like it saves me on a lot of games.
0: Hmm. I, I mean, I did MLB franchise mode last week. I did a fantasy draft of that. That was a lot of fun. That's a PlayStation flex. Oh, it is yes, but it's coming out on Xbox next year. The show, they're, they're, oh really? Yeah, they're gonna release it for Xbox next year.
2: Maybe dude, even they yeah. they're talking about. But yeah, dude, like, I was like the only reason I wanted a PlayStation more than an Xbox was because of like the show. Like that's it's been like that for probably like ten years, right? Like the shows never came. The out The show's never on been on Xbox. on
0: Xbox. Yeah, it's always been a PlayStation exclusive. And yeah, I've had it. Every did you year. ever
2: play? Uh, you might be. You're probably too young. But did you ever play Cal Ripken baseball like on PlayStation? No. PlayStation One, PlayStation Two. No, oh, I didn't. Man. That game was unreal. That was so good. What about um? Did you ever like? Did you ever play any like the street games like NFL Street? Yes. and NBA Street. I, I okay, own those were NBA incredible games.
0: for PS3. Good. And then there's good. like FIFA Street, which is included in FIFA 20. And FIFA 20 is like 20 right. bucks right now, so I might even
2: just pick that up just to play FIFA Street again, dude. Dude, yeah, I've been playing uh, NBA 2K20 Because like Xbox Game Pass Shout out Xbox, $1 right now for everyone uh, And it comes with like all these games You can download, NBA 2K20 is one of them 2K20 is a fun game Shout out Jay Canada, uh, Jason Croker Producer at TSN 1040, he's got a Nuts, like his, his YouTube He's got one of like the biggest YouTube accounts For NBA 2K20 um, And he's been tearing up, I've been watching some of his vids Croker's a good guy, I've Been in, we've been in studio With him a couple times at 1040 uh, Jay Canada over there. So check him out on YouTube. No free ads. Maybe we can get an ad from him. But he's making enough money off that YouTube channel, man. Damn. Well, he can send us some of the money now. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We got a plug. We'll send him some hockey cards or something. Love it. Okay, do we have any other
0: Hopefully. actual topics to discuss? Because I feel like this is and just going know- into a FaceTime call. <laughs>
2: No, I know we wanted to talk about, uh, the players that surprised us the most, oh but man, gosh. we can,
0: yeah, we have, we it.
2: can leave that for next week. I think that's something that we could sure. do like an hour talking into. Sure. Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll get, maybe we'll get some people's opinions from Twitter. Uh, yeah, we had a good conversation with Corey, I think today, like Corey and talking about Goldie. Like he's not so, <laughs> he's not so in love with Goldobin like I am, I guess. So <laughs> it was good to get Corey's opinion on it. Corey's watched him play a ton of games. Um, and yeah, we, like those are the big news this week. We didn't really see much else. Um, you missed the you missed the call with Tyler Myers. Was that because when you actually saw him in person, you saw how intimidating and big he was? Because when I was in the locker room and like Tyler uh, Tyler Myers walks off the ice, like like I knew he was six foot seven, but like he's like I don't know. He seems like he's like seven foot tall in person. He was a monster, and yeah. he's probably even bigger when you're looking up at him. Because like I'm I'm a pretty tall guy. I was one of the taller reporters in there. Uh, and just seeing Tyler Myers, I was blown away. Is that what freaked you away from getting away from the Skype call? No, I was on the phone with the CRA. Oh, that's right.
0: But yeah, Tyler Myers. Th- I think I've told the story of the first time I met Tyler Myers was intro media day. I'm walking in, and he was coming in from the parking garage, and this dude is just an absolute behemoth. Like, I had honestly, I had never seen anybody that tall in my life, like in person. Um. And that was, that was something else. Like, I've never even walked. You know when you like walk. Well, I guess you don't know this, but when you walk on the street and you like see somebody absurdly tall, and you're like whoever you're with, you're like, dude, look at this guy. Look how tall
2: this guy is. <laughs> like, I know you've probably never done that, but that's happened to me. Like, no, like when um when my mom was going to school to become a teacher, she had someone in her class who was seven foot one. Um, and he would come over like because he yeah you know, he was good friends with my mom. He'd come over and he was this huge native guy and he was seven foot one and he was probably like 400 pounds. And we played basketball with him. Like, and we had like a nine foot hoop in the backyard. Like we had two nine foot hoops, in our backyard, we played basketball. It was absolutely ridiculous. Like <laughs> he was the biggest guy I've probably ever seen in person. Like, yeah, seven foot one, four hundred pounds, just an absolute monster. Oh and he gosh. teaches kindergarten now, so that's where he ended up going to teach. Holy so, can you imagine cow. being a kid in kindergarten and your teacher is seven foot one, just an absolute Dude, unit of a man?
0: I used to think my kindergarten teacher and like hell, like grade one, grade two, I used to think these these like they were all women. I thought they were all giants. But then I grow <laughs> yeah. up and I'm like. Oh, you're five foot one. I was just like three foot ten back in the day. So it's like, yeah, these
2: these kids must be up to like his kneecaps. Oh, dude, yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. It would be, it would definitely be intimidating for a kindergartner to look up to that. But. uh yeah, I don't know. That's all I got for this episode. Maybe, uh, yeah, mention the Ferraro interview and we'll close this thing out. Hell yeah! With people man. that haven't tuned in, that was that was a lot of fun. What would you think? Because that was the first time you got to talk. I talked to him last year, and I just knew, like, right after that interview, I was like, "Wow, this is what it's like, you know, to have an interview with an absolute pro, right? Like, this guy does this for a living. Uh, he's so easy to talk to with an interview, and he gave us forty-five minutes, man. What did you think?
0: He was awesome, and it was so funny because then right after our interview, like, I was like, "Oh, he's like such a nice guy, like super great." And then I was listening to the 10:40 countdown And then there's the clips of him Going at Pratt and Botch Well, not going at them, but like Them going at each other, right? Like, it was mutual, for sure um, But I was like, whoa, I'm glad I didn't piss off Ray Ferraro Because, like, yeah, he's got, it's got a little bite to him
2: Yeah, he absolutely does that, that one where he's arguing with Botch Like, you could tell that both those guys are like such powerhouse talkers That like neither one kind of wanted to challenge the other one Like I, that clip was underrated for me Because like you can like You can feel the tension like on oh, air Because like yeah. if Botch were to go off Like you know that Botch was one of the best at it And Ray Ferraro is also one of the best at it Man if, if they would have like Like you could tell when they were like Just picking at each other a little bit Like one was about to cross the line But they didn't end up doing it Like Ray just like shut down the interview and left But man if, if they would have just like <laughs> Revved it up a little bit. That that definitely has a chance to like go out there with the poker debate, if you ask me. Which ended up being number one uh, on the TSN countdown. If you guys haven't checked that out, uh, that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, J Pat and Trevor Martin's uh, host that show, and they did the top fifty countdown. And I know that he mentioned it. They're coming up on twenty years, so they're going to try and work on like a top one hundred next year. Uh, which is yeah, that w- that was a lot. That was the best radio I've heard in a long time. Uh, obviously, with no sports going on, it's hard to have good sports talk radio. Uh, you hear some of the stuff that's on the air right now, it's not great, similar to what this podcast has turned into this episode. Uh, but I mean, like, but that was, that was incredible sports talk radio. A lot of those clips I haven't heard, right? Cause I've, I've talked about this. I started tuning into sports talk radio maybe five, six years ago, like on a consistent basis. Before that, I just didn't listen. So I didn't know a lot of these clips. Uh, I've heard a lot of them. Or I've heard people talk about them in the past little bit. Uh, you know obviously like is this Bob uh, That one I didn't like hear live or anything But I've heard oh, that man. one a bunch Uh, That's that's another great clip but the poker debate it, It's going to be hard to beat that I mean like even it was cool to hear How Shotgun Jake came together like I remember I remember how it sort of came together but it was Cool hearing how like
1: uh, you know Halford
2: and Bruff, yeah it just it, like It came together with like a guy texting in And figuring it out that way because they were trying to call it Like beer tannin or something or like the Beer tannin advent calendar yeah exactly like man that sounds So crappy now that looking back like Shotgun Jake just that's the perfect thing For it here so yeah if you guys didn't Check out the Ray for our interview uh, I know a lot Of people did we got a, a good view count on that One so thanks for everyone to tune into that And uh, yeah Ray's an absolute pro we want To have some sort of people like that on in the future as well I know that you know something we've kind of discussed Maybe having in the future here is getting into the draft A little bit obviously we're you know Cam Robinson good buddy of ours he's a guy That we want to have on JD Burke uh, definitely Another guy we want to talk prospects with and uh, maybe some other folks, but yeah, like it was fun doing that uh, that interview with Ray. And uh, yeah, it, it doesn't get much better than Ray Ferraro in the hockey world, man. Definitely not. It was beautiful,
0: and even Dan Murphy, like that that conversation we had with him. And in that conversation, I asked him, "What's your stepped in a moment?" He brought up the square end <laughs> on air, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, "Oh, I've never heard that clip." And I got to hear it and I texted him right away. I was like, "Murph, they just played your your clip." He goes, "Haha, yep." And then he asked me like which number he slotted in at and everything. It was it was, it was pretty <laughs> funny, but yeah, like that clip. I've had that on repeat, especially when B-Mac goes, "All right, thanks for effing joining us, buddy." It's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. just like the perfect way to go back at that." And you could tell Murph was just like, "Oh man, did I did I really do that?" and Oh, man. It was just, that was a beautiful moment in Temptation okay, so history.
2: Okay, you brought up the BMAC. I got to bring up my BMAC story because BMAC was on a lot. <laughs> like, he was he was one of the best uh, Vancouver radio guys ever. And I think I've brought this up on the show in the past before. But so when I was, I guess I was grade 11 and we were the BC PBL, we were playing against the Abbotsford, I think they're Cardinals, I think is what they're called. And this guy was the first base coach, like, and I was playing first base, obviously, and, you know, I was, like, this, this coach was chirping me, like, the whole time. From start to finish of the game, I was like, okay, I've never seen, like, a first base coach, like, be like have this much of a mouth on him. He was just chirping me the whole time for every little thing I did. Like if I looked down at my glove or if I like adjusted anything on like my belt or like my jersey or anything. He's just ripping me. And I was just like so I was ripping him back too. And I was just like, who is this old guy? This big old guy like ripping me right now for all this stuff. Like I was trying to give it back to him and like there was no chance. Like I like I think I could beak pretty well. Like I think I can toss it around with a lot of good people but like this guy was just destroying me. Like for two full games of a double header. And then I mentioned it to the coach at the end. I was just like Who's their first base coach, by the way? Like he was just giving it to me like the whole game, and he's like, "Oh, that's Barry McDonald." Like at the time, he was hosting uh, with Scotty Rintoul's B Mac and Rintoul in the morning, uh, and I was like, "Oh, no way!" Like I was like, I just didn't know who he was because his kid uh, is my age, and he played on the Abbotsford team, so he was a coach, the uh, first base coach, and like, yeah, he just gave it to me for like. Three hours in a row, like two full baseball games. This guy's just chirping nonstop. And I was like, okay, this guy's a pro. Like, I got to learn how to chirp like this guy. <laughs> uh, and you know, obviously, if BMAC, uh, had to step away from 1040 due to some depression and, and, you know, dealing with himself and getting, getting back to being healthy and living a good life. And from what they hear, and Donnie and the Moj talk about it a lot, like he's, he's doing a lot better, which is great. But when I first started tuning into Sports Talk Radio, like I mentioned, whatever it was five, six years ago, that show was so good. B Donnie and the Moj was the best show and like you know, we say now like Sakaris and Price is the best show in sports talk radio in Vancouver, uh, but man, when B Donnie and Moj would like get going with a host, like or a guy that like a guest that joined them, like there was no better sports talk radio when those three were together. It was incredible.
0: Yeah, man, like and that's the thing is like you and I neither of us really listened to it back in the day, right? Like yeah. we didn't get a chance to. But now, like you just listen to the old clips and just everything, like Man, like I, I felt like I was definitely missing out by not listening to 10:40 back in the day.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, that's like I don't know about you, but it like I, I got like a fire burning me under there because I was like, man, it would be, it'd be awesome to work in sports radio and like make one of those countdowns one year. Man, like we're a long ways away uh, from getting to that point. We obviously have to go to radio school uh, in the fall, but just the fact that you know that's like a possibility for us in the future that would be so crazy, man. I'd be so excited to like. To crack one of those lists one day with one of our ridiculous rants about something.
0: About players staying in hotels and be that being slavery. Yeah. One day. Yeah. Oh one gosh. day. Well, I mean, I guess that closes it out here. We're going to talk a lot next week. We've got a few things already in the book that we didn't even talk about this week. For some reason, this episode has gone on really long. But, uh, Chris, you got anything you want to add before I close it out here? I think I've said enough this episode. (laughs) I think I have as well. So, for Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. You've been listening to the Canucks Conversation